Welcome to the new media show. We're back. Doing the new media show again. People are actually going to listen to this junk. We do it live. We're live right now. We'll just do it live. We're going live. We're going live. We just can't get enough. The new media show. Let's go. Just do it live. We're going live. We're going live. Bada bing, bada boom. The new media show. We do it live. Just do it live. We're going live. We're going live. We're going live. The new media show. I'm like Adam Curry, and you're more like John C. Dvorak. I think I am Adam Curry, and you're the old curmudgeon. We do it live on the new media show again. The new media show. Technology. We make it sound so special. And here we are with the new media show. We're back, and we are special, and we have a very special guest with us today. Of course. Yeah, Yeah, we do. And you know what? Dan Dan Franks is with us. You spoiled it. I know. He's right there, though, Todd. Right. If you're watching the video of this, Dan Franks. Everybody knows who Dan I'm talking about Mr. Danny Boy. <laughs> Dan Franks. We're talking about Dan Franks. Yeah, baby. <laughs> like that's wow. the uh, second time that one's run, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. We'll have to play that one again. I have it here pro- pro- programmed on my roadcaster yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, welcome, Dan. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for, for having me here. I was looking back uh, and... I believe we've done this at least twice a year, every year since 2014. <laughs> right. Well, then you, you, we need to get like, uh, you know, I think uh, Dave Jackson or somebody, no, it's not Dave. Somebody's got a shirt that's like, if you appear five times on a show, it's like I've appeared five times on a certain podcast. Right. So. Right. And no, all I, I got trying. was a t-shirt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. no, I was trying to look back. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it later, but Podchaser has a way to, you know, see how many times you've been appeared on, on another show. So trying to see if maybe I have the record for the new media show. Appearances. If I decide to keep this show on Podchaser, so we can talk about that in a minute, but Hey, the new look we've got, we're in a, th- a three box today. I've got us all. We got Dan and we've got you in a sandwich. It's Rob and I on either side of you. So Look out. Yeah. I could have had a stack like a hamburger <laughs> though. So, but today it's side by side, but happy to be part of the experiment. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know. I never know if what I'm looking at is a, is a Todd thing or a Skype thing. Uh, this is like, you know, the, the only time I use Skype is joining you all several times a year. So I, every time I get on here, it's a little bit different. Yeah. So what we're uh, doing, you're still on Skype, but you're coming into a new thing here that we're doing that I'm trying and hopefully don't crash the TriCaster again like we did last week. But anyway, we've got a pile of stuff to talk about. And um, first thing, though, first, we I this is this new segment to the show. I have to give credit here. We got some boost. Do you guys know what a boost is? It's where we get boosted with Satoshi donations from uh, Podcast 2.0 apps. And uh, Rob, we cleaned up this week. We did. We wow. did. We did. Awesome. We got we got a thousand and one sats from uh, James Cridlam. He says, "Awesome to hear reading Boost Grams. Now go send some to Pod News and Podland." So I guess James wants some money too. <laughs> it's going the other way now, right? Yeah. Is there like a scoreboard tracking who's getting the most boosts? Well, you know, there is a thing called a heliopad. And uh, I'll bring it up here. You guys can see it a little bit in the screen. Um, probably can't read it. It's probably too small. But there's a website that uh, basically an app that tracks Boost. And uh, I'm running a box that allows me to run Heliopad. Uh, another one we got, like 10,000 sats from Adam Curry. He says, hey, we're both at PM and giving a talk. So uh, right on, right on task here. 
We, we got 50 sats from Bisaya podcast. Uh, it's basically from our last show, same old story. RSS is hindering podcasting. We got a thousand sats from uh, layman creations. That's Andy layman over there. He says, I, I'll add lit to my podcast power press add on. So we've actually been talking with Andy this week. And, uh, so lit may be coming to the new media show very, very soon. We got, uh, and for those of you who don't know what lit is, it's basically, we can send out a, a the bat single that says this show right. is live. Right. Um, we got 10,000 sats from Mitch. He says, Hey, regarding Midget, and I pronounce his name wrong every time. Mignano, Mignano, or how do you pronounce his name? The guy from Anchor, oh, the old CEO. Mignano. Mignano, Mignano. yeah. Right. Regarding Mignano's standards innovation paradox, he says many glowing positive things about RSS, which I appreciate. The issue I have is he misidentifies the problem. Companies like Spotify are convinced a closed ecosystem they control is the most profitable direction for them. And RSS is inherently open, so they want to get rid of it. So let's call it what it is. It's not a standards innovation paradox. It's a competitive incentives problem. So right. I kind of like that from Mitch. Mitch sent us another one. He said, uh, hey, guys, uh, and this was another 10,000 sats. He says, hey, guys, boosting from Podverse. Enjoyed your discussion about live item tag. Great to hear you're looking into making new media show lit. Fire sign. Please reach out if you have any questions. I can answer from the app adoption side. So we've been having a conversation on the uh, podcast index social Mastodon chat server. So uh, matter of fact, that discussion was pretty lively today, and uh, so it's going back and forth. But everyone, thanks for the sats. I think that's maybe three bucks or something like that, or two. So whatever it is, we do thank you. But I wanted to for those of you that are boosting via podcast 2.0, we appreciate it. If you're not boosted yet. You can go over at Podcast Index, sign up uh, over there, and listen to the uh, the podcast uh, our podcast two point podcast. That'll get you dialed in, and a lot of great discussions going on over there. But anyway, that's enough on the. I think we got a PayPal too. We got a PayPal donation as well. So um, wow, that it's came in. in. Todd, it, it's rolling in. Yeah, it's a monthly. So we appreciate that <laughs> monthly donation, and uh, every little penny helps here. But uh, we thank you very much. All right, so. Before we get into podcast movement, the IB Tech Labs today, and there's probably not enough time to go into this, but they have released a document that I and a number of other folks worked on quite a little bit in the fall. It's taken a time to get through review and crossing the I's and dotting the, uh, well, dotting the I's, crossing the T's. It's called the uh, Platform Privacy Restrictions Communicating Impacts and Strategies. If you are a podcaster, you must read this document. Right. Um, it really goes into, and what prompted this was the, essentially when Apple last year introduced the ability to put users behind a VPN and um, the impact that would have if Apple expands that. And they haven't, so don't get crazy um if they expand that to all apps and basically allow people to be completely anonymous hide behind well, not hide but essentially you have a vpn for the global apple it's obscure it's all 
Well, it's very obscure. You're limited right. to regions. Everyone, you'll show up whether you're in your LA basin or you show up if you're in Seattle, you'll show up if you're in Boston. Um, and that'll be there, the end of it. There'll be like 8,000 people, 8 million people from Boston, 5 you know, million from Seattle. You won't be able to really, it really, well, be honest with you, it's just, it'll totally slam stats. But stats will not exist as we know it today. So there's a whole bunch of stuff. And it's not a, um, uh, this is not the house is burning down message. This is not the purpose of this. This is to inform uh, what happened, what could happen, the state we're in today, and really what we should do as a podcasting community to address listener privacy and how ad platforms, if they don't change their ways, could be the high potential that it could be very Again, could be, no, no, we're not on fire, could be very disruptive to the entire podcasting space. Um, a lot of work went in on this, a lot. 17 pages of commentary. And um, if, you, if you go through and read it, and, you, and again, I want everyone to read it. It addresses fraud. It talks about how, how IP is used today, how targeting is affecting. It's talking about why it matters. Uh, talking about privacy management, again, all these things, and primarily um, what we're worried about. And this is just the piece I want to uh, I want to just read a portion of this real quick, and then, and then we can move on. What we're worried about is the insight that podcasters derive from IP addresses helps them to minimize fraud, enable better user experience, improve compliance with regional regulations, and attract buyers. That means media buyers. That means people that want to support your show. It's, it's, that's a widespread. If frameworks like Apple's private relay were widely adopted as currently constructed, they would greatly harm revenue for podcasting businesses, which would lead to declining content creation. And then, again, it goes into some more stuff. Um, and, and one of the sentences in here is a real point. When there's money to be made, there are bad actors inflating numbers, placing ads that create a bad user experience, creating distrust among buyers, looking to place their ads in brand-safe environment, address these issues. Podcasters worked with IAB Tech Lab to create techno measurement standards, standardized measures, made the market more fair, improved trust among buyers, ultimately contributed additional growth. And the measurement standards that re regulate data usage in quality podcast environments are relying on IP addresses. That's the key. That's really the statement, that the measurement standards that give us good data in podcast environments are were truly tied to the hip by IP addresses, user agents, and geodata. So, again, we'll, I want you to read this, form your own opinion, and if you have a... Um, comment on this they have developed a, a social hashtag and i'm trying to find it. it's it's a hashtag concerned podcasters uh we they ib wants you to share this um again but you need to read the document to understand the full context of everything we're here we're not here to say apple you're bad and you shouldn't do this we're here to say this is why Apple's doing this in certain instances and why we need to be more proactive in protecting listener privacy as a, as a, as a podcasting space. And, um, you know, a lot of us have been hammering this for a while. Boom, boom, boom. You know, listener privacy is a big deal. Our listeners do not have the ability to opt in and say, yes, it's okay to track me. And, um, 
We're not saying Apple's going to do this. Um, we're not saying others are going to do this, but if they do, it could be very, very bad. So they're trying to get ahead of it and have a, be able to have a conversation with the, the industry and see what we can do to make sure that um, we are protecting the listener's privacy. That's a big piece of this. So um, anyway, it's, go ahead. Yeah, Todd. So is the goal of this from your perspective uh, that this is kind of a proactive effort in um, keeping this from happening? So if if good practices are practiced by the industry as a whole, uh, that we may be able to avoid this crackdown? Is that yeah? Uh, is that what the bigger message yeah, is? Yeah, it is. It's And it's about education and about what the impacts will be, not only for people that monetize, Right. And a lot of this spoke, you know, I tried to make sure that as the team was putting this draft together, I said, remember, there's a lot of podcasters that don't monetize, but they rely on data to help grow their show. They rely on data to make decisions about how much they're going to spend. There's a whole bunch, you know, it's, it's just not about the money. And right. oftentimes, you know, a lot of people that were involved with this is involved in the money piece. But, you know, we tried to make sure there was messaging in here that made average podcasters understand that they're going to be impacted as well. Um, some, and again, we don't, we didn't want this document to be this big reactionary, like pointing fingers at somebody that was not the case. And I think it, when Apple and others read this, which I know they will, um, I think hopefully that tone comes across that the, the again, the hashtag concerned podcasters, what it is, we're concerned. And again, there's nothing right now happening. There's no indication that Apple's going to make a move or Google or anybody else, but it goes into the why and what would happen if someone did and not specifically Apple, but if someone did, what could happen and what the impact would be. Yeah. And, and what we can do as an, as a broader industry to, to maybe address these without these drastic measures yeah. being taken. Right. A, a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of work put in this. Um, I would say my personal contribution was probably 20 hours. Um, there was a number of other folks that were on this as well that wrote certain sections and made suggestions. And then um, the, the publisher of this, Katie, she did the, you know, the groundwork on, on, working all the language in and all our suggestions. And, and then there was sign off by a whole bunch of people in the space. So the sign off in this document included just call the companies raw voice, captivate, um, uh, extreme reach, um, NPR, Libsyn, um, uh, Spreaker, digital, uh, uh, sounds profitable, uh, ACPM, Disney, Podcast One, ABC UK, uh, Audion, PodTrack, uh, Double Verify, uh, Acast, um, Empire Streaming. So there was there was you know sign off by a number of the a lot of the folks that are involved in measurement, monetization, and all that stuff. So um, this was a um, a collective effort to to put the word out. Yeah, and I also noticed in this uh, report as well at the IEB through what PricewaterhouseCooper is uh, putting out numbers around the market podcast revenue forecasts, and it and it's showing that in 2023 they're predicting 2.188 billion um, 
in um, advertising re- revenue in 2023. So that's interesting. That's up from 1.755 billion in 2022. So yeah. it's showing significant growth. I didn't know that we were pushing two billion in 2022. Yeah, and again, I think some of this stuff was. Um, I don't know when these reports were pulled. Yeah, exactly. But this document has been in work for a while. I'll say right. at least six months. So, right. um, and some of these numbers were probably put together before we started to fall into a recession. Yeah, potentially. Too, so. yeah. Right. But I, I think it's a good read for everyone. If nothing else, uh, you guys can criticize or make your own comments and your own conclusions. But right. um, this was a collective effort to try to get ahead of things that could potentially come down the road. So. And again, it's not doom or gloom. <laughs> the sky is not falling, <laughs> you know. So that's the main thing I want people to walk away with. Yeah, and, it also um, shows. Yeah, and it also shows in another chart the the distribution of the type of technology that's used to deliver advertising in podcasts too. I thought that was interesting. It looks like that the the dynamic inserted ads is growing significantly and the baked in ads is in a state of decline. So I don't know how accurate that is to the current dynamic in the market, but that's an interesting, you know, yeah. Look at what's happening in the market right now. So while we got Dan on here, before we get into the yep. other topic at hand, let's, let's, cause I know some, I know, I know what all of you are here for. I know, I know you want to hear what we think about uh, a certain acquisition. You're going to have to wait a few minutes. <laughs> right, I think the sandwich on the screen and the first. sandwich between topics, right? <laughs> yes, right, exactly. <laughs> so, Dan, you busy? Podcast boom is coming. Yeah, we've got uh, five weeks uh, from yesterday until the first uh, first day of podcast movement kicks off, the twenty third of August. And yeah, busy, excited, and yeah, just uh, it's like the freight train headed to August twenty third right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was having a meeting with. Uh, with my PR team today. And I'm like, I got four announcements to make between now and podcast movement. I'm like laying everything out. I said, but, and I told my dev team, I says, we have to deliver the last thing no later than the 17th. Cause I got to make the PR window before podcast movement. And my, my CTO, she's just like, Oh, you're, you know, she didn't say you're killing me, but you know, we're, we're marching towards your event. So you can be happy to know you're driving dev cycles. <laughs> yeah, dev cycles and, and PR cycles for sure. I mean, it's a uh, in yeah. you know uh, an honor, I would say, right? Because like I said, when when I first joined you all back in uh, 2014, and I it was like February 2014 when we first started talking about when we had a Kickstarter campaign that hadn't even launched yet to bring podcast yep. movement into existence. Um, I was telling someone on my team when when I was talking to them that I was joining you all today. I was like, yeah, I looked back and saw the exact date. I said, I don't want to listen to that because like, I, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, look at pictures when you were in, of, of yourself, when you were in your awkward stage. And I kind of felt like that's what that was. But I was like, if you want to like really know the history of podcast movement, the evolution and all of that, uh, yeah, just go back and, and listen progressively each time, each time I was on the show and you'd kind of hear, hear that, uh, hear that evolution. But yeah, it's real, real cool to kind of know that people base you know, meetings and announcements and development and all that around the event. It's really, uh, really cool and really, uh, kind of a humbling thing. And I think part of it too, is that, um, you got to hear our criticism as well and our comments and, you know, our <laughs> feedback. And I guess it wasn't criticism it was more feedback. So 
I think that's what's important too about, you know, having had you on a number of times talking about prior events and past, you know, future events and so forth. So you've got a big lineup and I always have to ask this question. How is the registrations going? It's going well. Um, you know, an interesting kind of change in dynamic has happened, obviously, with with COVID and, and everything. But live events have specifically been affected, not just like, OK, people are now excited to get back into the into events or people are now pulling back from events, but more like that pacing of when they register and when they decide to come. Uh, and we've seen that especially our event in March, which was our most recent event, that so many registrations happened at the very last minute. But then for the for Nashville, which was last podcast movement last August, a lot of that happened way before and then it kind of tapered off and we had a you know new variant and all that that kind of killed it. Um, so like every event now we're seeing different pacing and different registrations. So we don't we don't really know what the last five weeks are going to look like from a registration standpoint. Whereas from 2014 to, you know, call it early 2020, we kind of had the the you know, the line chart where we could see when things went up, when they went down, when they went up and whether, you know, the numbers changed, but the pacing really didn't that, you know, kind of, we could count on it. Okay. Here's where we're at on this date. We kind of know where we're going to be two or three months from now. And now it's just all out the window. So right now that our things are going really well, we're happy where they're at. Um, we're expecting it to continue to pick up, but we don't know if it's going to pick up sure. like it did in March or if it's going to, so yeah, we'll, we'll all kind of learn together. And I'm not sure if this year will be that new normal um, or if it's going to be another year before we can figure out that new normal. So it's a, you know, an interesting time, we'll say, uh, still, like we mentioned the last few times we talked, still an interesting time to be in live events. You know, the pacing is an interesting topic because I see the same thing with the podcast awards. I see the pacing on registration. And then I know what happens the uh, 10 or 15 days after we start where that goes. And then, of course, the last 15 days, it, you know, because if you're not registered by now, it's, it's you know, it's almost too late. So we know that it, it dives off. But, um, yeah, it is interesting how you see the pacing go. Um, and it, and if, if you don't know where your pacing's at, that makes you nervous as heck. You know, I just, uh, you don't know if you're, if you're planning for 2,000 or if you're planning for 3,000. It's, it's one of those, it's one of those things. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's probably our window and that's a big window, <laughs> but you know, floor and uh, not necessarily ceiling, but, uh, you know, last August we were right about 2000, which was, you know, the first year back after taking a full year off, uh, two years before that, when we were in Orlando for the last, what we'll call normal event, that was right around 3000. So, you know, our mm -hmm. first year back was about two thirds of that. Um, and we'll be somewhere in that window. I hope we, uh, I actually think when we talked, I don't remember how far out from evolutions we, we spoke uh, before our March event this year, but we were pacing really poorly. Like it was, we were nervous. We were like, okay, are we even going to have as many people at this 2022 event as we did the last time we did it in 2020? Uh, and it was kind of iffy. And then as the event got closer, it just blew it out of the water and we blew our expectations of registrations, you know, out of the water. Um, so it, like I said, it, it, it's just really hard, but yeah, that that window you described is probably where it'll be, and and likely pushing that closer to that three thousand for sure. But again, you know, we'll know when we get there. I I told my team I'd be happy if you had two. Uh, yeah, we will. Well, that yeah, like I said, that's that's the floor, and um, and yep. uh, but probably you, way way low way low of a, a floor. But um, yeah, but you know, it's what's funny is I I did an interview with a gal the other day, and I said, "Are you coming to podcast movement?" She said, "What's that?" And I'm like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we have that conversation every year, yeah. though, right? Like, you, you right. know, and I'm like, so I said, much. you haven't heard about it. So 
I think what there is really, I don't know. I don't know how to fix that for you. You guys will have to look at it. But I was like, how do you not know about this event? It's the premier event of the year, one of two, but it's, you know, it's the creator, big creator event. I'm like, are you like, where are you getting your information? And a lot of podcasters just don't tune into any Facebook groups or nothing. They're just doing their thing. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, there's a lot of new people in the podcasting space now, more so than I think, uh, you know, in all time. So yeah, it's, but, but I mean, we do talk about that every, every time we get yeah. on here because there's always that anecdotal stories and I've started running mm -hmm. some local meetups here in Dallas and same thing. And it's like, wait, this is where we're based. It, you know, it's, I would say somewhat embarrassing, but not really because it's, it's just, well, like, it's a weird dilemma and a weird kind of quirk with podcasters, yeah. um, is that everybody hangs out in different places. Like we have our hardcore people who are in the Facebook yeah. groups and who, uh, you know, we're, we're able to kind of interact with, uh, but really for us, it's just, okay, how many different points of entry can we get into this, you know, flywheel or this marketing funnel or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. So, okay, we've got several newsletters, one that's geared towards industry people. So we kind of get them in that way and we have referral programs and we run a ton of search ads and we run a right. ton of display ads and on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok even. So we've got ads everywhere. So it's really how many different places can we be there? What kind of targeting can we do to those people? Um, yes, you know, the whole concept of retargeting people that are already in mm -hmm. our sphere of influence to try to convert them into paying customers. But then also it's how do we expand that and reach those people like who you just described who are podcasters and are paying for products and services. But yep. for whatever reason, the idea of a podcast event doesn't even dawn on them to look for it because I'd like to think if they're looking for it, they can find us, yeah. but if they don't yeah. know to look for it, but they might like it if they knew it existed, those are the people that's really, um, you know, really kind of the target. I guess the thing that was only thing that's made me nervous is the, the airfare is crazy right now. And with the economy, you know, and flux and all that other stuff, I thought that might impact a little bit, but good. Yeah. You know, we'll see. I guess, you know, you're, you'll be the judge of how, you know, of where, where it comes in. But, you know, I'm bringing four people. We're, we're prepping. We're planning to be there in force. So it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. It's almost like class reunion time. Yeah. And, you know, the airfare has gone down a little bit, kind of like gas. And I don't know if it's all kind of pacing the same way, but we've had people that six weeks ago bought their t airfare and was like, it's really expensive. And now they looked at it and they're like, actually, it's cheaper now than it was then. Which usually awesome. as you get closer to the event, it would be the other way around. But yeah, I mean, recession and and inflation and all those things, it's all going to go into it. And, yep. You know, where where COVID's at five weeks from now versus where it is now, that could cause, you know, things good or bad, depending on how things progress. Um, so, yeah, lots of lots of factors in play that we didn't haven't necessarily dealt with uh, as a combined as a combined uh, effects. What uh, Rob, I'm sure you want to jump in here since I'm hogging the mic. Um, I've been seeing your announcements on all the speakers and everything that's going on. So it looks like the lineup is, uh, is pretty, pretty good. I'm how many submissions do you guys get this year? It's like was same six, seven, 800. Yeah, I think it was right around just over 600. And then, you know, a lot of backup submissions come through of people who missed deadlines or just kind of got their ducks in a row. So yeah, definitely over 600. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, like I say, every time it's the, the least fun process whittling 600, submissions down to 60 or 70 that we accept out of those but also to me and our, our whole team one of the most necessary things we go through every year just because we've been to events where they kind of curate their own sessions and speakers each year and 
the same people and the same topics and it gets stale and they don't have new ideas. Whereas if we open it up to other people, it's not up to us to decide necessarily like what's important. It's okay. If we see a bunch of submissions on this topic, then obviously that's something that people want to talk about and more likely in return want to learn about and want to hear about. Um, same thing in terms of getting a diverse set of speakers from different networks and different countries and different, uh, you know, you name it. Right. Um, a lot of those things are people that we don't know or we wouldn't think to reach out to. We wouldn't think that, you know, this this subset of uh, Spanish podcasters from NPR would be interested in leading a session. But when they come to us, it's like, OK, they're kind of uh, have that ability to raise their hand. So, like, the, the, you know, there, there's a lot of that going on that makes it, again, I, I say a necessary evil to have that open submission process yep. each year. and yeah, this year we're we're super excited about the lineup. We're coming back with a full, a full set of of live sessions, which Nashville was a little bit hybrid, um, just out of necessity. Uh, but yeah, this year is going to be back to what anyone who's come to 2019 or prior uh, would come to expect. With you know, choose your own adventure of seven or eight or nine stages happening at any given time, and you kind of pick what what you want to learn about at the event or which one of those nine sessions is most applicable to you as an attendee at that given uh, hour and then go and hopefully learn and network and mix and mingle and party in between. And if one isn't very good, get right up and go to another one, have a backup ready. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, 45 minute session. So if the first five minutes you decide to, to bounce, it's a super easy to navigate, uh, floor plan and everything's a little more compact than it was in uh, Nashville where there was different levels and, and stuff. This time it's two levels. They're stacked one escalator right in the middle that goes directly up and down. And yeah, five or 10 minutes into a session. If you don't like it, you have another 40 or so, or so minutes to, to pick a new one that you like better. So do you think that the, the event this year will be probably a, a little bit stronger of a community building um, event from the standpoint of the of the weather in Texas being so hot and people might <laughs> stay in the hotel more. Um, does the hotel have all of the the venue and the the restaurants and the resources for people to just spend their whole the whole time that they're at Podcast Movement all in that same venue? Just curious. Yeah, you know, it's it, it, a combination uh, of things. For sure, the venue has, it's not a Gaylord property, although we're back at Gaylord Properties right. the next two years after this year. So it's not necessarily like you've got all these different atriums and stuff, but it's more compact in a way that most people will be hanging out in the same vicinity. So from that standpoint, I think it's good. Right. Um, definitely several bars and several like seating areas and uh, Sheraton, I guess, during some rebrand they've done several years ago. They put in a lot of like community tables and just places to sit and work and visit and uh network for lack of a better term. So it's a good setup there. Uh, and then uh, Nashville was like a party town, right? Like there's right. people wanted to go out and see, uh, see downtown Nashville and party there on weeknights and for better or worse, Dallas doesn't quite have that reputation. So I think that kind of thing will keep people like, okay, well let's do what we're in town for. And that's hang out with the people that are here at the event. Um, so definitely yeah, I'd like that. to see and, more of the community stay together and not run off. And I mean, that's one disadvantage of like going to Las, like Las Vegas or something sure. is that yeah. there's so many other things to do outside of the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, for sure. Uh, the venue will be, um, conducive to that the city will be conducive to that. You mentioned the heat. I think it's like 110 degrees today. So, <laughs> um, people won't want to hopefully, uh, spend too much time. They'll maybe take an Uber or a taxi or something if they, they need to get around. Um, and downtown Dallas, which is where it is, 
it's not the most walkable city, but also not the least. It's just a regular downtown where people will be able to walk off for lunch if they want to, you know, within a five minute walk, get somewhere. Um, but also, you know, venues inside and then offsite parties are, you know, very close walking distance or, or we'll have buses. So hopefully the heat isn't too much of a factor. We've definitely, definitely put out the edict. No, no outdoor parties uh, this year. You know, and (laughs) having spent uh, a considerable amount of time in Texas in June, July, August, September, and even into October, uh, I'm staying in a hotel. Uh, I, I'm not, <laughs> and, and if we, and, so we put on the marketing materials that the AC is super strong at the venue. Right, right. Are you? Oh, it has calling to Calling them to make sure that their AC is keep is, is working. Yeah, our head in once a week to make sure nothing's if, right. If people have not experienced Texas heat, stand by. Yeah, and the UK right now too. Like if if you're coming over from the UK, you're not going to get any. You get any relief? Any relief? <laughs> no. Well, and d- doesn't Texas have an issue a little bit with like rolling blackouts and stuff occasionally or is that, uh, so it's not, that, not, not as bad as California. So the only California, time yeah. we've had that issue on a large scale was actually in the winter, uh, believe it or ah, not, because right. we uh, froze over for, for a week or so. So, you know, we, we get, we get it from both ends from that standpoint, right. but yeah, in the summer we've, we've had the electric company asking us to conserve energy, but so far they've not turned off anyone's lights as far as I know. Well, knock on wood, because that would be a bad thing in a yeah. big, big way. And usually the hotels have backup generators that can help supplement, too, if things really go right. sideways. But uh, usually that's not the best case scenario. Um, so, you know, one thing that uh, I will say about the Nashville event, we about damn near starved because it was right after the pandemic and they just didn't have the staff. How... Uh, how are they doing on staffing in the hotel? Are they going to be are they going to be fully booked up and ready for the surge? Yeah, I, I mean, I hope so. That's the plan. Of course, in Nashville, they told us that too. Um, yeah, but right. you know, hopefully, being a little further removed from that. And also, you know, I said Dallas isn't like the most vibrant downtown, but at the Opryland, that's where you were. Like, yeah, you you're stuck. Drive twenty minutes or something to get yep. to any real, um, you know, substantial restaurant. So from that sense on site as well as within, you know, short, short distance to get to, uh, all of that should be, should be open and functioning. So yeah, that's, that's the plan is to not, <laughs> not have anyone starve uh, for sure. We didn't starve, but it just, you had to wait a little longer in the cube to get into some place. The, yeah. Uh, they, right. and like, they would have to shut down several bars earlier yeah. than they, you know, normally would. So I, I think at least for that, from that standpoint, we're past some of that here. Yeah. And the last couple of podcast movements, there hasn't been such a congregation at the bar afterwards because I think a lot of people went off and done things. And right. uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of develops uh, at this event. Uh, it's always good to kind of network and hang out. But um, yeah. I think in March, if I remember correctly, there was a pretty, the, the bar there at the GW. Yeah, it, was, it was decent. So yeah. was pretty pretty yeah. central. But again, LA, in that LA live area, there's tons to go out and do. So I think that definitely had people spreading out a little bit more, but it was also, uh, that event, that venue, um, was fantastic because there was really the ability just to go almost anywhere and get anything you wanted quickly. And I went over, was it you and I, Rob, that went to the Indian restaurant or we went, you know, five minutes and we were, we had Indian food, you know, and and we got right right in and sat down. It was not at all slammed. So I'm sure downtown Dallas is going to be kind of similar. So, you know, probably be lots of options there. Yeah, definitely. And we'll, you know, communicate that and have little maps and all that for people to figure out where to go eat. So well, we, Dan, let's, oh. Oh, 
Go ahead, Rob. Let's talk about the the kind of tracks and what you are planning um, for the event this year. Is there anything new or different that you've adjusted from Nashville to this event? Yeah, so, you know, Nashville, uh, well, one of the things we like best, and you all are both uh, heavy participants in this is, is our expo hall. And this is right. going to be the year we have the most exhibitors ever. So we'll be, I think over 80 exhibitors. And oh. uh, I want to say like Orlando was, was maybe our next biggest. And that was like in the 60, 65 range, I believe. So, uh, a pretty good, vibrant expo hall, um, Nashville, we were pacing towards that until people started, you know, dropping off and, uh, you know, sales slowed down whenever the, the Delta variant started. So that's something I'm super excited about is really kind of the vision for what we want our expo hall to be in a place that like people can come in and adventure around and spend a good amount of time there. Um, that's something I'm super excited about uh, on the programming side of things. We're kind of, again, picking up our vision of having our six distinct primary tracks of education. So we've got our industry track, our technical track, our creation track, monetization, marketing, and then our so- uh, society, culture, and advocacy track. So those are our six primary tracks that most of the sessions fit onto one of those tracks, which each have a dedicated stage. Um, so an equal number of sessions across each of those throughout the three days. Um, and then we've also got one stage, which we're calling internally like a rotator stage. Um, but that's kind of the more niche uh, specific type things where it's got um, an audio fiction day, uh, like a branded podcast and type day, and then a, a Spanish language podcast type day. So that's one where we're... Um, or know what you call like an emerging markets track or an emerging, you know, uh, topic track. And then this year is the first year where we've um, actually sold to sponsors a separate stage where they could more or less buy a day to program however they want. And it's interesting that, you know, when you do something like that, the content could go one of two ways. It could go, you know, full full day of uh, infomercials, or it could be that, you know, those sponsors kind of take advantage of the opportunity and actually make really good sessions that people want to go to. And then it reflects well on them. Uh, so this year we're doing that and uh, Descript who's coming out with all kinds of advancements and stuff. They're doing a uh, video podcasting track. So all five sessions that day are on video podcasting. Um, Quill who's really into the branded podcast uh, space. They've got a full day and then red circle has a day um, geared more towards independent podcasters. So a lot of their sessions are going to kind of be, theme towards, um, you know, DIY independent podcasters versus maybe people doing it on a, on a more professional or, or big scale level. So that's something new we've got going on. We've got a couple stages in the expo hall, like we normally do just to kind of keep things happening there. Um, but yeah, like I said, this is kind of our, I hate to say getting things back on track, but just from like, Hey, let's be where we want to be. And then we can, you know, start the evolution again next year. Once we kind of reestablish what, what our event is. Well, I'm ex- I'm I'm jazzed. Uh, I've got a mass a massive travel for two weeks. You know, leave your place. I go to Vegas for event. Went from one hot box to another, <laughs> and then down to Atlanta and sweat for a few days as well. So, I guess uh, get ready for the heat and get ready for the the fire hose of information. It's going to be fed to us. So it's uh it's going to be good. Yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, yeah, no, like we're excited. We've got um got most of our keynote speakers announced got a few more coming so um this year just the way organically it's happened is we end up uh the book ending it with like true crime type speakers um so phoebe judge who was uh been a breakout speaker several times um her, her podcast is criminal 
um, really big, kind of one of the longer, I think it actually even came out before Serial, but one of the true crime shows that was kind of there before, during, and after, and has continued to thrive, um, kind of uh, having a, a check-in on what true crime, the evolution of true crime podcast with her. Um, Lacey Mosley is uh, uh, the host of the Scam Goddess podcast, which is a really popular one right now. So she's doing something on Friday. She's actually a Dallas native, so it'll be cool to kind of have a little bit of tie-in there. Um, and then Edison Research, uh, Tom Webster left, who traditionally has given Edison Research's keynote. Um, but Gabriel Soto, who has uh, been there for a while, and he's picking it up. So this is his uh, debut for Edison Research's keynote. And then our our final keynote is um, would be Friday morning as well. And that one we haven't announced yet. We're still still working on that one. So that's that's kind of what we've got uh, going on there on the main stage. And then uh, yeah, new media show live on Friday and. All kinds of all kinds of stuff happening in between. Have you uh, have you ever heard of uh, Robert Riggs, the guy that does the True Crime Reporter? He's there in Texas. And he's going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a great dude. You want to get? You want to? He's a great storyteller. So if you get a chance to to talk to Robert, he's right there in the Dallas area too. So yeah, yeah, definitely uh, look into that session. He's uh, he was a television personality here in town. So oh, is he doing? A, is he doing a session? He is doing a session. Oh, awesome. He's doing a session. So, um, yeah, we've got a, uh, we've got our two expo hall stages. One is called the solution stage, which is like some more hands-on like demonstration, not necessarily product demonstrations, but like hands-on editing or, or that kind of thing. Um, and then we've got our startup stage, which is, uh, kind of comprised of startup companies that are doing innovative things in the space, startup networks who are talking about, you know, their evolution as a, as a startup from, you know, kind of bootstrap type uh, approach to things. And I believe his is on that track as well on that startup stage because he kind of took a background in not podcasting and has built something really, really cool. And like I said, I, I remember seeing him on television here locally. And that's the interesting thing that has not, this is the first year I've noticed it being local, is that we've got a bunch of people who have been in the local media scene, whether it's you know radio personalities or TV personalities that are now becoming somewhat prominent podcasters like Robert is a perfect example of that. So starting to see that evolution in a, you know, kind of a personal way as well. Yeah. He, uh, he's got an amazing story and then he's had an exclusive show on, on Fox nation. I think they paid for a series over there. So yeah, I'm sure his session is going to be good. I, I think there's going to be such a wide range of good stuff. I think, I think that virtual track pass where people can get the, can get access to the sessions afterwards is going to be key. And there was someone in the chat room that said, Hey, we just want to, we want to um, see the uh, the live new media show with Adam and who we're going to have on. And I'm, I think that one's actually, is that going to be, is that free or is that on a, be able, yeah, we should be able to stream that. I think that's what we've traditionally yeah, done. Yeah. So I think you're going to yeah. be able to get that free Martin. So, um, but I, you know, for someone that can't go um, to be honest with you, what, what does that virtual pass cost to get the access to the library of content after the show? Yeah. So or is there any live, components that are available in that virtual pass too right yeah good question for sure so um we've got three different ways to get access to the virtual pass so the middle and top tier of our in-person tickets also include the virtual pass which um is what you talked about todd it's the it's the recordings of every session so it's like 150 hours of video on the back end right. of the event for you right. to, to pick and choose and we try to present it in an organized way so you can uh, people can dive into the sessions they want to see um but then you've got our virtual only pass, which uh, go, should go on sale next week, I believe, right about a month before the event. And that's all of those uh, recordings, just like I mentioned. And then also it is a 
four four of those track stages that I mentioned, kind of our four what we consider our more popular um, tracks. Those four will be live streaming throughout the event as well. So if you buy that virtual pass, you can spend three days watching sessions kind of morning, noon, and night, and then get all the recordings on the back end. So I'm not okay. sure. This might be the last event that we do live stream just because um, when we did it in, in March for the Evolutions event, and the pickup wasn't that great. Mm. I'm gonna bunch of people that bought the virtual ticket, but they just bought it for the recordings, right? Um, uh, you know, so you know, being candid, spending thirty thousand right. dollars for fifty or a hundred people to live stream something—it's it's hard to justify that. Yeah, that's a yeah, that that's easy math. That's uh, ouch. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So this might be the the last year we we do live stream and might go back to just on demand only. And really, you know, it's hard to recreate that in person experience live, anyways. Uh, so. If people just see the value in the on-demand versus the live, then that's probably what it'll revert back to after this year. What, what I do, because I'm stuck in the booth half the time, is I go through and I'm every day I try to catch one or two sessions. And then whatever I can't, I, I make a mark in the book on the sessions that I wanted to go to, but I just couldn't. And then when you guys release the virtual pass, then I go back and listen to those 20 or 25 sessions that I wanted to hear that there was just no way to attend. And for me, the value on that is like, man, that, you know, even though I was there, I couldn't go and listen to those folks. Now, if you're there you might have not as have as many that you want to follow up on, but still the ability to go back and have that fire hose of, of data, because what I continued to find out, find is that even though, you know, okay, let's just be frank uh, old dogs can be taught new tricks right because it's rare, Todd. no it, it's no it's not <laughs> rare it's not rare because there's lots of people doing exciting stuff in this space and you'll you'll be here yeah. to be like huh? you know you yeah. do one of those your head will turn and and, and and you'll stop and you'll replay something five times because you you're like did i hear what she or he said and you go back and you listen to that again, and it's like I keep a notebook opened up, and I write, and I and I end up with like half a page every time I'm listening to those right. shows of just, oh, this is that's interesting, that's cool, let me adopt that, or let me look into this, or that's interesting what this person's doing because there's such a diversity of creators and a diversity of things they're doing to grow, to monetize, to, I mean, it it runs the gamut, so. I think yeah. most people do, you know, I don't know what you guys see on stats on that playback, but that's the gem. That's the gem of the whole event is going back and right. being able to, to cherry pick through that stuff and, and, yeah. and listen to stuff yeah. that you weren't able to attend. Yeah. Cause I think the value of, of going to an in-person event is the in interpersonal networking that actually happens at that event. And if people, you know, I know this is something that I wrestle with too, is I would probably rather spend time uh, talking to people in the hallway mm -hmm. than in the sessions. Cause I know that I can go watch all that stuff later um, after the event. So, so I guess it's, it's really a matter of getting the most value out of why you're there with other people that have a common interest that you have and connecting with them and doing deals. And I know a lot of companies like ours and yours, Todd, uh, make a lot of connections with new networks and new podcasters, and that's that's invaluable, you know. And that's 
the number one reason to go. Yeah. I think. And I think too, is the, the, the tangible, you know, for sure that stuff in the hallways is the most valuable for me and at the booth, yeah. but yeah. the, the ability, um, sometimes there's something that I like, maybe I've got a, a, a an issue with something and I'll go listen to a session maybe by the person giving the, so I want to hear from that person and I want to ask a question, not in yeah. adversarial ways, but I just truly want to know. Yeah. And, or meet them after the right, presentation too. Yeah. And then have, you know, have a, have a conversation. And so this is the kind of stuff I get really out of the event. And, uh, um, that's why it's from morning till night. That's why we, we go hard, you know, go hard to go home. <laughs> yeah, and it, it is interesting. You mentioned, uh, you know, kind of the go there for the networking and the the connection, and then you know catch the catch the replays or catch the recordings. Um, it's funny when we're telling somebody new about the event, like you said, these people we mentioned who maybe they're just getting introduced to the idea of a podcasting event or why it might be good for them. Uh, the education is always what kind of hooks them. Oh yeah, I do want to learn about how to grow my show, or I do want to learn how to do this or that. Mm -hmm. um, but then when they come away from it after their first time that's like secondary, right? It right. Is connections. It's the people they meet. It's the, whether it's vendors that they're working with already and they have questions for them and there's nothing like sitting down with somebody from the tech support team, like in person to walk through your issue or it's a new microphone you want to check out or anything like mm -hmm. that. Um, or just meeting new people at the parties or at the networking events or just walking through the hallways. That's where the value ends up coming from. But to get them in the door, it's the education. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a one-two punch and there's value in both and definitely having those recordings um, help. And actually something new we're doing this year is this is the first time we've, uh, really, we're going to release everything in audio form. So we're working with supporting cast, uh, to put together basically private feeds for all the tracks, as well as a master feed of all the sessions and putting out, uh, the audio of every single wow. session, anyone who has a virtual ticket. Um, we did it one year, but it was on more of a closed platform. It wasn't RSS based, but mm -hmm. this will be RSS based. So people Easy. will be able to subscribe to, you know, the podcast movement 2022, feed or pick an individual track and just listen on their, on their podcast yes. app. So something that's probably long overdue, but it's just not something we've done until this year. Well, so, it's yeah, a podcasting conference. Imagine that. So, so yeah, anyone who gets the videos on, a, on like a private, uh, subscription based audio delivery platform. Is that the idea? Exactly. So anyone that's familiar okay. with how, you know, a Patreon, uh, right you know, individual link works, a supporting cast, super cast. Uh, there's a bunch of them out there. Glow, I believe kind of that's, yeah. that's that product uh, is. So, uh, yeah, it, it's that thing. And this time it's supporting cast. Who's helping us put that together. Got it. Super excited. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. So I'm, I think one thing I was going to talk to you about, and it's not a positive, um, it's not about your event, but event I went to recently, <laughs> We'll just leave it at that. Um, real hard to, you know, not figure out what that is. It I just was overwhelmed by the number of sessions, and I know you guys have strict rules on this. The number of sessions I was getting pitched at was over the top. How how, how have you guys got that in check over the years? Because I know you have a in the speaker's agreement, you have very strict rules on pitching. It's one they say, Hey, I'm Todd from Blueberry Podcasting. You know, that's one thing, but to give this whole, you know, dialogue of come use my service or product, it, it, it the event I went to recently, it was, it was over the top. And it was, it actually, I actually heard a attendee 
say she's not coming back the second day because all she was getting pitched to. And it, to me, I was like, my God, you just spent all this money and you were, you know, you're walking away with this bad taste in your mouth. And I, and for those that are considering going, what have you guys done to make sure that, you know, that doesn't happen or it's very limited? Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely a multi-pronged approach. First of all, we, the way we take our sessions, like I mentioned, it's that open submission process. We don't have any sort of, okay, if you buy a booth, you get a session. Right. Or if you sponsor a party, you get two sessions or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Now, you'll notice that people who are sponsors also happen to be speaking, and that's because most of the, or not most of, but many of the important players in the podcast space also are partners from that standpoint. But, you know, I can tell you that somebody who produces a Spanish podcast for, you know, NPR, if NPR were a sponsor, they wouldn't be able to tell them like, hey, you need to pitch the X, Y, and Z. Like there's a, these companies are big enough to where there's a lot of separation from sales and who's actually presenting. Um, but that's the first approach is like, we, we are very flat out in the sales process. When Christy, uh, who does our sales is talking to people, anyone who asked about a session, uh, it's not a pay to play. Right. So no guarantee. Clear. I just mentioned those sponsored tracks we're doing. We are having ways now where we can very clearly communicate, Hey, this is a sponsored session, you know, going in, um, it, we have not taken away any of the free, the unsponsored session, right. just additive. Um, so that's the first thing is like, we just make it clear. It's not pay to play. And that heads off a lot of it. Um, but then, you know, I, I mentioned we have that open submission process, but we do have a lot of repeat speakers, people who we know, they know how it works. They've come in, they've spoken before. Uh, and you know, they, they kind of understand what kind of audience it is. And we try to prep people. We're like, Hey, the best way for your product or service to be, uh, to benefit from you doing a session is for you to really do a good session. And then, like you said, you introduce yourself from what company you're from. People know how to get hold of you after because you're telling them, Hey, here's my email address or our website or stop by, you know, stick around and we'll talk after the session. Um, but if that meat of the session is super valuable, that'll want make people want to talk to you and find out more versus the person you just described from another event. Um, I often find people exact opposite. So, I often find people are shocked when I talk about competitors. They're like, you talked about, competitors during it. I'm like, yeah, I'm not here to pitch. I'm here to tell you what your options are. Yeah. You but know? I mean, and, and that's not to say things don't slip through, right, right, right. but it's very much, I would say it's that it, it, things will slip through and we figure out how that happened and try to keep it from happening again versus setting up a system that kind of allows it or mm -hmm. accepts it. Um, <laughs> I won't say who, but you mentioned a name earlier in the show who is probably one of the worst offenders um, to that slipping through the cracks that we've ever had, um, in terms of like telling us they were going to talk about one thing and they spoke about <laughs> another that ended up being a really big sales pitch and it, and it upset us because we, yeah. you know, we feel like we have systems in place. So when things slip through, we take it personally, right, right. we figure out how it happened and, and we address it. So, um, you know, anytime anyone, and you heard about it immediately, we hear about <laughs> right. it immediately. Um, and we, you know, figure out, okay, is this, is this somebody a, that, we need or want to work with again if so okay how do we change things right or in the future or is it somebody that you know they're on the blacklist now and we just you know <laughs> address yeah, and, it that way yeah and part of this is coming from i think in the industry kind of a, a movement now where more and more kind of upstart events these are newer events um are taking this pay-to-play model and and going with it right where you basically you know, paid a sponsor, but with that sponsorship, you get a presentation or you get, um, on stage. And I think that we're definitely seeing an upsurge in that type of activity. Um, 
And I don't know if it's just pure economics or if, um, which is probably what it, what, what it really is. But I think that's where this is coming from to some degree is some concern that that isn't a momentum that's going across the whole events space. Right. Well, I think some, I mean, I think some shows like yours draws those, those lines. Right. Yeah. It's, it's hard, uh, because you know, when we started our event, our first three or four years of running it, uh, everyone involved, it was a side gig. It was not our income. So we had a chance to build it what I would consider the right way. We didn't need to do it like that. And we saw the long-term vision and to not do that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But if it's somebody who's starting it because like, hey, this is needs to be my business now, you can certainly see why that kind of approach might yeah. be like the quickest way to to turn a profit, yeah. so to speak. The right. other thing is there's a bunch of events in the marketing industry that that's yeah. what the events are. That's it how is it accepted. is. That's accepted. Like people will pay $2,000 for a ticket knowing that all of these speakers are going to either pitch as their presentation or pitch at the end of their presentation and likely right. have a table, you know, in the lobby to sell you that product or service on your way out, have somebody running credit cards. Um, and that's accepted yeah. in, in certain circles. So if, if a yeah, podcaster right. were to come through that, that type of, um, entry into the podcasting space or the event space, they might think, Hey, this is just how you do it. Um, it's not, I don't, in my opinion, but you know, there, there's different ways that you get to that. That's not always, you know, <laughs> not always evil, but, uh, the, the end result isn't necessarily, um, yeah. Solid. I think is and, right and we're get I get pitched as a company owner all the time for those types of events. And we just, first thing I ask for is, okay, let's see your, your deck. And when a deck immediately says, you know, $8,000 and you get one speaking slot that we just, we, we throw it in the trash. Uh, we, we don't even consider it. It's not even an event we're going to go to because I, I refuse to do pay to play. And, um, and like and we've talked about in the previous show, I feel honored if I'm selected to speak. And I understand that I'm being given an opportunity to bring value to a potential creator that is looking for information on the topic I'm in. So I take that very seriously. And I know Rob does the same and we know it's not a given. We know, we know that, that, you know, we're in a pool of 600, uh, 600 different, uh, you know, sessions and you know, I'm fully expecting there'll be a time when I'll submit a session to you or someone else. I won't be picked. I won't feel bad. It's just, it, it wasn't the session that was needed at that time and right, right, right place, wrong time or wrong place, right time or whatever this word is. I'm not going to take it personal. It's one of those, it's just, you know, I, I think we all understand that, especially with your event. So I, you know, I applaud you from that standpoint. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't even consider, pitching as even an option. I mean, even if I was pitched a, a conference that, uh, that had a pay for play model, that doesn't mean I'm going to get up stage up on stage and pitch my company. Mm-hmm. I'm going to still try and drive value. But the problem with all that is, is that not everybody else has those values, right? right. So you're going to be associated with that type of an event and that, that can damage your brand as well. Right. So, um, I think that's, that's kind of a bigger perspective on it. So have we covered everything that's going on with the event? Did we miss anything? No, no, I think we have it. If anyone's interested in learning about it, we've got the pretty much the full schedule live at, uh, 2022.podcastmovement.com. Um, most of the speakers are up there. A few mm-hmm. stragglers that we have to get to sign those speaking agreements before we can start 
promoting them. So if you're one of those people, definitely complete your agreement. But yeah, just just super excited. And like I said, excited to be back to what we, you know, our vision of the event is this year um, and hope to have as many people out there as possible. Yeah, and we're honored to be doing doing this show live on yep. stage at the event again. It's uh, it's going to be awesome to have Mr. Adam Curry on stage and James Cridlin and and um, uh, I mean uh, other folks. And I know there's quite a few people in the industry that are excited to you know that all all of us are getting together on stage with Adam because he is the Podfather, right? It's great to have Adam so, there, right? Like it's been yeah yeah, yeah it's been I, I think the last time he was on stage was at the Hall of Fame ceremony in 2015. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that, yeah, excited to have him back. And he's, uh, I believe, still Austin-based, right? So um, He's a uh, hill country. So yeah. he's a couple hours out of Austin. Yeah. But, so, um, but yeah, yeah that, that was and, super exciting. Yeah, I think he and his uh, his partner, Dave, are doing doing a session on Podcast 2.0 or, yeah, earlier, too. That's so, what you were talking yeah. about. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I think the... From that perspective, I'm, I'm excited to have Adam on the stage too. So I think it's Adam can be pretty raw. <laughs> yeah, so um, you know, if there's a bleep that needs yeah. to be made, you know, probably there might. I know kind no of, one gets bleep, but there might be a few bleep opportunities with <laughs> brutally honest. Is probably brutally honest. Describe it right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think yeah. we've had to had to consider a bleep uh, button or anything <laughs> except when uh, Kevin Smith. <laughs> In 2016, Kevin, yeah. Chicago, he he had some words to say, um, <laughs> but other than that, we we've not had too many complaints. So um, I think that um, I've been I, I tell you what my probably my new favorite show, and it's just because I'm a nerd is definitely that podcast 2.0 show. Um, Adam, I think I like it better than No Agenda, but it's you know it's pretty close even. So it's pretty, pretty unusual to have two shows by the almost you know one of the same host uh, that is on my top list. But uh, I'm making me think a lot. I've been listening to it in the car, and I'm just like, hmm, you know. So I think Adam's going to bring a lot to the event, and I think if you get a chance and you haven't met Adam Curry, if you're going, please go up and say hello and. And thank him, thank him for, you know, for, for what his, what he did to get this space off the ground and also thank him for what he's doing with podcast 2.0. Yeah. Because I'm here, here most recently with the controversy around innovation with RSS, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Adam has definitely been taking that issue to heart for many years now and, um, trying to push forward change and improvement to the medium and, and it's a little disheartening sometimes to hear a, a certain section of the industry kind of say that that's not going on when it actually is going on. Well, he has so. some very interesting comments about that in episode 903, uh, podcast yep. 2.0. You can't find it on Apple Podcasts. You have to subscribe to the RSS yep. feed. So um, let's talk a little bit. Of course, everyone knew this was coming. Let's talk just a little bit about the acquisition of... Uh, a company. Let's talk about what has happened with uh, uh, Podchaser. Yeah. Um, ACAS, if you haven't heard, ACAS basically acquired Podchaser, uh, which is Podchaser, if you don't know what Podchaser is, is what I would call the IMDB equivalent um, of uh, podcasting. So they're an aggregator of podcast data, right? Um, and they've been actively trying to do that for for many years and they have partnerships with, uh, with podcast platforms 
gathering data about podcasters and to have one platform acquire that um, does kind of put things in, in, in a question mark, right. Um, around access to that information, which we were hoping that Podchaser was going to be an independent, you know, kind of depository. They're, for, yeah. they're claiming they're going to be operating independently, but let's be frank. If, right. if ACAS spent 34 million, that's the rumor. That's, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. They're going to want something for that investment. And, you know, they admittedly within their press release said they were not profitable this year. They hope to obtain profitability next year. But $34 million for what? And that what is data? And, I, okay, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. It's already been public on Twitter. Uh, I, well, what data, Todd? Let's, let's well, be clear what's at risk here. Mm, it basic. I, I'm. I'll make my statement. Then you can talk about the data. I believe ACAS is undeserving of this information that Podchaser has. They have bought it, so they are now default going to have access to this. Um, you know, I don't have a good, good. Uh, you know, ACAS says they've stopped spamming, but I think why did they stop spamming? Maybe they knew they're buying, buying Podchaser and were trying to do a little PR. Um, I'm just calling spade a spade. I think they're just, you know, preparing uh, their PR team because they knew they were going to make this acquisition and had to clean things up a little bit. That's, that's my conspiracy. So that's Todd speaking. Um, but it's, it's here. You've got now charitable pod sites, pod chaser, pod sites and charitable are owned by Spotify. They control that data. And then you have now Podchaser owned by Acast. They have access to all the data. So why don't you talk about the data, Rob? What what data did they get? Well, the, they've been trying to a, a, aggregate traffic data. Um, you know, like how popular a podcast is. They've been um, trying to access data around hosts and co-hosts and and trying to aggregate all of the podcasts and then have all this analytics and and demographics and all sorts of stuff about the podcast space um, to be able to create a, you know, a central point of access to all things about podcasting. And I, you know, it is unfortunate that one of one hosting platform um, acquired that because I think what it's going to cause is like a reaction that you had to it, Todd, is that you're going to pull all your information out of it. I'm going to pull my personal shows. Every podcaster's got, yeah, but you're not it. speaking for Blueberry. No, right? no, you're I'm speaking, speaking for me, shows, my right? personal shows, right? I'm not speaking for Blueberry. Right. And I'm not speaking for Lipson. The Lipson's going to take any reaction sp specific to this either. Right. But we also didn't get into any kind of an integration deal with them either. Neither so. did we. Well, we have the ability for podcasters to submit their shows over there. Right. So I'm probably going to leave that alone at this point. And don't get me wrong. I love the Podchaser team. Okay. Yeah, no, so the no, pod chaser guys don't, don't take this the wrong way. You know, we, 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 and, and, and ladies, we love your team. You know, Bradley you guys are, has been on this show. Yeah. Um, and talking to us, right. But I just was, you know, I don't say this very often. I was disappointed that they went to ACAST. So yeah. I wasn't going to buy them. So it's not a jealousy thing no, um, right. at all. 
But, you know, when the data starts being consolidated like this, you know, and I think podcasters need to really think about what is the value of the data of your show? What is, is that, is that actually valuable to you? And it, and if it is, and you're, if you're getting value being, being on Podchaser, great. If you're getting exposure, if you're getting ad deals, whatever it may be, uh, more power to you. But what is the value of the data that is being given away that, and again, um, I'm in the data business, but I don't sell data and I never have, I never will. So now if I get bought, then it's a game changer too. Right. Right. Dan, what's your thought on it? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm wondering like (laughs) from both of you all and, and, you know, full disclosure, they're, they're both partners of ours and have been longtime partners and and partners to us as podcast movement. Um, is, are you guys seeing a bigger issue with just the fact that a hosting company in general, uh, acquired Podchaser, or is it the actions of ACAST recently um, that that happened to be the hosting company that acquired them or some combination of the two? Well, I think for me, it's a combination of the two. Yeah, I would say it's, it, so we'd be it's having definitely this the combination of the two, Dan. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. It's definitely consolidation and it's, you know, it's like you said, similar to the Chartable and the pod sites going to Spotify. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I also see it from the... <laughs> From the the business owner yeah, standpoint, too. they had that they're you know yeah it was a good acquisition. Yeah. I don't know if it was a public raise. So yeah, you know, anytime you see an acquisition happen, you're not quite sure what the yeah but uh, how much money has been put into it either. So you know how many of those uh, seven or eight figures actually go out to um, I hope, whose name we know versus who go to. Uh, I, I I hope a lot. I hope, I hope a lot, a lot of this. I hope a lot went to them. You know yeah, and. and <laughs> We've been working with them since uh, 2017 or so when they when they really got the idea started. And I don't know if you all remember, but there were several different companies that came along trying to do this IMDb of podcasting. Mm-hmm. There's ones that you know head and shoulders kind of uh, won out, especially now with the you know the acquisition price. But um, you know, I still think conceptually it's a it's a value add for the space. It's just a matter of like you said, what's kind of happening behind the scenes and what does that mean. Um, you know, like if you, you are pulling your shows off and people pull their shows off, does that diminish the value of, of it as a platform from a user perspective? I, I think the majority, probably 99% of podcasters won't, they don't care. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, so, you know, and I wouldn't pull this show off unless Rob agreed to it. So I'm just going to pull my personal show off and uh, probably this, probably Blueberry show off, but this show will remain. If Rob agrees, it should remain. I'm not going to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I just think based upon the tactics that they have used, they're going to use this data, in my opinion, my personal opinion, they're going to use this data to um, target my customers. And that, that, that worries me, you know, because now they're going to have real detailed data and they're going to be able to tragically go and cherry pick. And probably good for maybe good for those shows. I don't know, but uh, I guess I have to step my game up and make sure those shows are satisfied with what we're providing. So, you know, don't get me wrong. Um, you have to continue to deliver value to your customers, but yeah. Yeah, and I think this is this is a trend, a continuing trend that we're seeing in the industry. And I'm trying to take 
the conversation up to 30,000 foot view, but it's the, it's the consolidation and the verticalization of this podcasting medium is being driven by economic interests and, um, and growing opportunities, um, to capture larger and larger market shares. Right. So in the early days of this medium, there wasn't companies battling like this, right? Clearly we're in a new phase you know, the projection with the IEB is this is a $2 billion industry going to be in the next couple of years. Um, and so there's a lot of economic interest um, that is driving this. And that's going to cause these type of uh, mergers to happen. And also, it's also a, a reflection, I guess, of the broader I- industry not supporting an IMDB of podcasting as much as we probably as an industry maybe should have to keep them independent. Right. Um, so I think it, there is some bearing of responsibility, um, that the industry has uh, overall that basically enabled this, um, outcome to occur. And I, and I think too, is that it's, it's not like the data that they have is not replicatable. Right. You know, so it's, you know, a lot of the data, the hard part on this was the, the guest piece, you know, who were the guests on which shows and that interaction that was a lot of that was hand curated. They, they had teams that were validating, you know, that Joe Rogan had X, this guest, this guest, this guest. And, you know, a lot of that was not done automatically. I think they were working towards that, but a lot of that was hand curated. So that's, that's the hard part of that user, data. Uh, users, we, you could yeah. create an account and add yourself to other shows or other shows could add you. Right. Right. So that piece might be, you know, rec- replicatable. Um, and, and to be honest with you, some of that data is that they pulled is available via API. Some of the Apple API data, you, you can pull that yourself. You just got to be willing to, you know, run the spreadsheet and then, you know, put that in a query and put it on a website. Um, so it's n- not all of that is that difficult to replicate. The question is for me was as a podcast host, what was going to be valuable for my content creators? You know, what, what was I going to do to what from them would help them grow their shows? And, um, you know, we built some of that, those pieces ourselves internally, uh, that we thought, and it was not necessarily driven from them, but it was stuff that we thought what's going to be valuable to the podcaster to know. And I think that, uh, that's what we'll probably all be looking at now is, you know, what additional things can we add in our own decks to mm-hmm. give the podcaster the information so that they wouldn't necessarily have to give this data up to somebody else. Yeah. Todd, and I think one of the things to think about too, is if, if a, another company in the space did this, acquisition, not ACAS, but let's say Lipson or Blueberry or Podbean or whatever, would we feel different about it? Um, hmm. That was my question earlier, right? Like, is it just yeah. two or is it the what? Yeah, it's uh, probably 50-50. Yeah, 50, 50% the who. And we know companies are going to get bought and consolidated. That happens all the time, but um, yep. you know, ACAST has just not had a great, in my opinion, again, in my opinion, they have been big poachers. So, you know, and, and, and went about it and by spamming, you know, so and, it's trust and yeah, a, trust is a big part of it. A history of certain 
types of behavior that is driving this kind of rejection of this acquisition. Right. And I've had a lot of comments that have come in privately to me that people are like, well, biggest question is why, why did they spend that much money for that? And again, I guess people don't fully realize the, and again, if we, I don't know if that number has been confirmed, but if 34 million is the yeah, number. Yeah, I also heard that 29, 27 million has been thrown around too. Well, if that's still, so. that's a big number. Yeah. And, you know, what, why? That was the question I was asked a lot. And it's, you know, it's definitely not revenue driven. It's data driven. So that data that they have, they that ACAS is feeling that they're going to be able to, you know, because ACAS, if they're spending, let's say they spend 30 million, they're going to expect to get 1.2 out of that. Well, we have to remember that that or data is the new yeah data is the new it, it's the new currency right mm-hmm. it's money combined with data I mean I mean what built Facebook into a multi billion dollar company it's it's, it's not the data. their user yeah. interface it's it's the data that they get out of it and right? it, and then again it goes back to this IAB stuff you know it goes right. back to the discussion about uh, privacy and. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think that uh, they have that much listener data. Um, matter of fact, I don't think they have that much. Uh, I, had to, I guess I'd have to go back and look at the product offering. So it's more about insights than right. anything else. So it's insightful data about shows. Yeah, yeah. clues about shows. Because one thing that's missing from the podcasting space more broadly is a perspective of... Um, how big a particular podcast is, right? How many downloads they, they have, essentially, if you want to s- sum it down. Th- th- there's really no public way that for anybody to see that, generally, to to make business evaluations about a particular podcast. So if if this platform has that ability, that does give a leg up to an ACAST to be able to see um, the success metrics of a, of a particular podcast, I think, probably not all podcasts, but a certain chunk of them um, to be able to know how to pitch them. Right. And another thing too is, yeah. you know, we were, you know, I'm not, I'm not, we've already talked about it on this show, but it was one of the reasons why we gave all our podcasters media kits is because exactly what Rob just said, most podcasters can't afford to have a profile about their show and what it's actually doing. The difference between our data and what they're getting, it's actual user uh, it's, it's real metric data. It's not extrapolated data. It's, it's the real data. So from that instance, for our content creators, we feel it's valuable for them and whoever they want to share that to. And we've had a lot, I mean, it's, it's been explosive. The number of folks that have created this media kit to be able to share with potential guests and so forth. Cause what were they doing before? They're probably sending them over to Podchaser or another location. And again, we launched the media kit before this acquisition went down, but it really was along the same idea was to be able to give that content creator the ability to show off his show to a potential guest or advertiser or a sponsor. sponsor, Right. 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 Yeah. So it's interesting move for sure. So Dan, is there any last comment that you want to make about a podcast movement about, you know, something unique or something different that we haven't talked about yet? Anything you can think of? Uh, If you want to, you want to talk to Podchaser and Acast in person? Uh, <laughs> that's the next place you'll be able to see them both. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, there uh, you go. 
I think they're on separate separate sides of the expo hall, so you can uh, talk to them in private, so to speak. No, but um, yeah, I I just think, like I said, excited to have the whole um, you know, industry coming together as you know, case in point, the two the two uh, things being discussed, they're both going to be there. Um, but yeah, super excited for that. And you know, on 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 the pod chaser thing, I do hope what they say and that they're going to operate independently. Like I hope that's true because I do think what Podchaser is doing, um, at least from a user standpoint, like I don't know as much about the data standpoint, but from the user standpoint, it is unique and it does seem like it's a value add for independent podcasters to be able to, you know, kind of build out that profile and build their show history and and have, you know, detailed information about their show and all of that. So I do think it's a value add and I do hope that they um, kind of continue with that mission potentially with some more, you know, a good firepower to to build on that and um and evolve on that. So that's my, I thought my closing, <laughs> thought there. but yeah, yeah just, I'm not going to do anything different with pod chaser right myself. I mean, I have a profile up there and all the, all the, all the podcasts that I've ever been on have, is indexed in there. So, um, I'm not going to try and pull myself out of there or anything like that. So, so I, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm supportive I, of it. I'm guess the old curmudgeon in here. You know. <laughs> well, and, I'm, and, yeah, and I, and I think it's more, speaking I, for, for lips I know, I know, I know. I think it's more, and for me, it's yeah. more of a, yeah. you know, I, and maybe it, and maybe I'm just looking at it wrong. Maybe I'm just, I should just get over it, you know? So, it, but it is a, um, um, maybe it is 75% who bought them because I love well, the Todd, pod chaser team. Your role is to bring, bring an alarm to something, right. And to have people look at it and, and objectively make that decision for themselves. Right, right. And I think that's always constructive. Yeah. And it, you know, it may come across a little harsh, but again, yeah. you know, to the Podchaser team, I know you're listening. <laughs> you know, we, we, yeah. we still love you. Is it, you know, love the team. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, uh, so anyway, that's, it just, you know, was the, it was, I was, to be honest with you, I was, I was shocked. I was like, yeah. really? <laughs> yeah. And to be fair too, there's a lot of terrific people over at ACAST too. So I know that they've been on a, on a rapid hiring spree all across the world. And I know that they've, I mean, I came across them a lot on my trip to, to Europe and to the podcast show and they have a pretty strong presence outside of the U S as well. But I, I do know that they have their, uh, their eyes set on getting more market share in the U S too. So, yeah. <laughs> it's 20, 29 <laughs> to $34 million worth. That's for sure. Right. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so then they got the money to spend that too. That's, that's yeah. a telltale sign too. Oh, while they're doing. Yep. Well, they are a public company. Oh, so. that is true over there, right? Yeah. They're on. No, I think it's on, I think I thought they're on the New York stock exchange. I thought. Yeah, I don't remember where they're at from a listing standpoint. I thought, huh, I'll have to look at that. Well, um, anything else that has come up this past, uh, we got about five minutes. Anything else has come back up this week that is, oh, did you guys see, uh, speaking of spam, did you, did you see Cridlin's uh, spam report? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. so it, the since May, the, the biggest spammer was, let's see if I can find the link to it. And, I, and ACAST wasn't on the list. No, they weren't. Right. So. <laughs> um, let's see if I can find it. Uh, some company that I really wasn't too familiar with here. Let me get it. I've got it, got it, got it right there. Let me link. Um, it was... Uh, Oh, it's the wrong one because I'm looking at the report. Let me go back, see if I can grab it here. Yeah, I was okay. looking at it too. 
uh, I believe yesterday, but I can't, I can't, I can't remember the name of the company. It's called Backtracks. 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 And I have gotten a huge amount of email from them as well, but, uh, um, I think they're a stats company too, right? I don't know. I'm not sure what they do. Are they music? Maybe? No, let me, let me Google them here and. What do they, what do they do? Back is a podcast analytics and advertising software platform. Oh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I'd also be able to, uh, run into to them and chat with them at podcast. Oh, movement. oh really? They oh, they're going to be there too. Wow. Dan's being very, very quiet here. <laughs> don't, yeah. Dan. Don't believe they're, they're there in a, a sponsorship capacity. But oh, okay. I do know that uh, Podvine as well. And good pods and on podium. Not a good pods. Uh, Podvine wasn't too much, but um, I believe good pods is actually probably the closest thing to Pod Chaser. I believe um, I saw them tweeting at people that were uh, concerned with the Pod Chaser news. Good pods was hopping in there, uh, kind of pitching themselves as an alternative. Yeah, there was. Uh, I, oh yeah, I, someone was was pitching me and I'm like, I don't need metrics. Thanks. I got my own. <laughs> yeah. I always thought that the good pods folks was more of a listening platform. Yeah, I thought it was an app, but right. Well, it is. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is. And it's, uh, I believe like you can, like, I want to say, well, cause it's like good reads, which is like bo- the book version. That's what mm. it's based on. Right. Kind of put together your reading list or your listening list. And the last one on the bad boy list, at least according to pod news is on podium. Was it was the next one that was sent? So I've seen emails from Backtracks. I don't think I've gotten any from Podbine. I have seen stuff in the past from Good Pods, but I think that's the only. But I didn't get the level of spam that James did from Backtracks. Well, I believe but he James, mentioned he's got some kind of he's got some kind of thing that he's running in the background to actually attract some of that to kind of put the email. I forget the exact term, but something. Yeah, to where he's, he's got a a uh, a. A honeypot running so mm. he can capture this stuff, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he also said that his research came up sh- showing that spam technically is not illegal. Okay, but no one, no one's gotten you know a fine for spam. And when, when's the last time you heard any um, anybody getting a fine for spam? It just doesn't happen. So well, yeah, because I mean, more and more of the of those newsletter type platforms are, are basically aggressively implementing opt out capabilities. Right. Yeah. You know, and if, if you run, you know, if you send me, if you send me an email once and I don't like you and I delete it and you send me one twice. And if, as long as I can unsubscribe, I'm not going to hammer right. you. You know, if I can unsubscribe and get off your list permanently, then I'm good. But it's when I unsubscribe and keep getting hit, that's when I get irritated. So, yeah. Yeah. Because, the history of that is, is some of those platforms use that unsubscribe as a confirmation of an active email account. Right. <laughs> so it can be twisted into something that benefits them, not takes you out of the list. Right. Yeah. Let's make sure I'm not going to jack ourselves up here. Okay. <laughs> yep. Okay. I'm good. All right. So we're, we're already at 90 minutes. And yep. uh, hey, thanks for everyone who was watching. If you didn't check in on uh, Facebook, make sure you do before we bounce out. Uh, if you like our new video format and how we've done this, let us know. And if you're listening to the audio podcast, we'd love, love to hear your, uh, feedback on today's show. I'm sure we'll get a little bit of it. Someone's going to have good or bad things to say. That's for sure. 
But, uh, Dan, we look forward to seeing you in a few short weeks, just about a month away. Yeah, look forward to seeing you both and everyone else who's able to make it. But uh, it's been our pleasure bringing you the show. Dan, how can they reach out to you? Uh, Dan at podcastmovement.com, easy to get a hold of. And um, I've been accused of sometimes replying too slow and sometimes replying too fast. So the grab bag of which one of those two you'll get. (laughs) Is it possible to reply too fast? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, you know, the, the, the hand in or the phone in the hand culture sometimes gets the best. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> fully yeah. understand that. I had a, was getting hit at 11 p.m. last night by someone. Your support team is not responding to me. And I'm like, it's 11 p.m. <laughs> sometimes those emails get the fastest replies. <laughs> That's true. Um, but I'm Todd at blueberry.com at Geek News on Twitter. Rob? I'm on Twitter as well at Rob Greenlee and I can be reached uh, via email as well. Rob G at Lipson.com. And uh, I do have a website, Rob And uh, we'll be back with the show next week. I appreciate everyone being here. Thanks for your ongoing support. Thanks for the uh, boost. Those of you that boosted us. And if you don't know what a boost is, go over to podcast 2.0 and check it out and get your show boosted as well and get a few Satoshis in your wallet. Everyone take care. We'll see you next time here on the new me show. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.